Welcome back to the Missouri Chamber Capital Chat. This is your host, Philip Arnzen. And today I am joined by an esteemed guest, Representative Lane Roberts is with us. He is the uh, champion of public safety in the Missouri House of Representatives. And so he has agreed to uh, join us today on the uh, Chamber Capital Chat to can talk about public safety in the Capitol and uh, talk about a little bit of his background and some of the priorities that are moving through related to public safety, uh, which is uh, one of the top chamber priorities for this session. Representative Roberts. Thanks for having me. I spent four years in the United States Air Force. I was a police officer for 43 years. I retired as the chief of the Joplin Police Department, having uh, served with that community during the tornado. Uh, and I spent two years as the director of the Missouri Department of Public Safety, and I'm now in my fifth year in the legislature. Truthfully, when I first came to the legislature, I had I had hoped to sort of distance myself from public safety because I didn't want to be a one-trick pony. Uh, that has proven to be an exercise in futility. It's uh, Public safety has been my life, and it's sort of my wheelhouse. And in retrospect, uh, I'm, I'm glad that it, it uh, didn't happen the way I intended because there's just so much to do in the area of public safety. And it's gratifying when you do things that mean something to people. I had uh, an opportunity a couple of years ago to pass a lifelong protection order for victims of domestic violence. Uh, those are the kind of things that make differences in people's lives every day and the kind of thing that I came up here to do. This year, uh, there are several public safety bills. I, I came here this year intending to file uh, no more than eight bills. I'm now at number 13. <laughs> Uh, and again, just because there's so many worthy issues, it's difficult to say no. The the big news issue, the one that probably most of, of uh, your listeners are interested in, is House Bill 301. House Bill 301 is a fairly comprehensive crime bill that encompasses a lot of, of elements. There's a provision in there for uh, maintaining the privacy of our judges' personal information. There's some truth and sentencing language in there. Uh, there is a reimbursement for the, the police academy for law enforcement officers who graduate and become employed and stay employed four years to help them recover the cost of the academy. But probably the the two most prevalent pieces, one of which uh, was voted down in committee, uh, and it, we're still trying to find some way to work with, uh, and uh, that's the uh, kids with guns. How do you keep guns out of the hands of children, literally uh, 8, 10, 12 years old. The other provision is a special prosecutor for communities who meet a certain threshold of crime. At this uh, moment, uh, the, the most obvious example is St. Louis. You hear a lot of talk about St. Louis specifically, and, and that's just by nature the fact that their, their homicide rate right now uh, per capita is two and a half times greater than the city of Chicago. But in Missouri, what's happening in St. Louis is not just confined to St. Louis. St. Louis is, is uh, takes a great deal of pride in speaking of itself as our economic engine. Along with that, though, goes a certain amount of responsibility. Within our state, when we talk about the problem of crime, we tend to point to St. Louis and the urban areas. If you speak to somebody outside Missouri, in their minds, Missouri is a dangerous place. Missouri has a crime problem. So helping the urban areas uh, find ways to address some of the disproportionality in their crime statistics uh, has become a focus, certainly one of my focuses. The crime rate uh, in, in St. Louis, particularly the homicide rate, is running about 200 homicides per year. 
The people who are committing those homicides, the ones who are committing the assaults, the ones who are committing the robberies, are not going to jail. And that's a problem. And whether it's a question of policy or a question of the amount of resources necessary, really doesn't change the end result. And that is that the people who commit these crimes are still free to commit more crimes. So the bill provides for the governor's authority to appoint a special prosecutor for jurisdictions that meet a threshold, and that threshold is 35 homicide cases, not homicides, but cases, per 100,000 people population within the jurisdiction. And the governor determines that based on state, local, and federal crime data, and just the raw uh, numbers coming out of that jurisdiction. So that number would, 35 per 100,000, that could theoretically be really any place in the state if they meet that threshold. The language in that bill was changed specifically to provide for its ability to be applied anywhere. At the moment, St. Louis, again, is, is kind of the best representation of that. But when you think about it, the, the crime rate per capita last year in, in St. Louis was, was 68 homicides per 100,000. That has, has kept us at or near the top of the most dangerous cities in the nation for a decade. Uh, that's not acceptable. And in, in my case in particular, because I'm from the Joplin area, uh, I have been told that I'm meddling in St. Louis is uh, a problem that I don't know anything about St. Louis. I'm an outsider. Uh, and I reject all that argument. The idea that that I should sit idly by and watch 200 people a year die because I don't live in St. Louis it doesn't make sense to me. And again, this is a public safety issue. It's not about who the prosecutor or the circuit attorney is. It's about their performance. And for one reason or another, the people committing all these crimes are not in jail. Uh, and I, I just cannot personally accept that. So in the event that this trigger is met, it provides the governor the authority to, to provide a special prosecutor who uh, would have sole and exclusive jurisdiction over uh, first and second degree murder, first and second degree robbery, first and second degree assault, and vehicle hijacking. The remainder of the responsibility of the circuit attorney remain with the circuit attorney, but the special prosecutor would exercise sole and exclusive jurisdiction over those seven crimes. So the special prosecutor component is kind of the main part of the bill, but you mentioned there are quite a few other provisions in there. Um, so whenever you're putting this bill together, I'm assuming you worked with you know some other groups, some other legislators, do you have any insight into who all you work with, groups or uh, regions of the state, folks from there that you work with to put this, you know, a comprehensive public safety package together that, you know, you could get the, the House on board with? Well, beginning last June, uh, the speaker uh, appointed a working group and asked me to chair it. That group uh, was composed of three Democrats and three Republicans. The idea was to, to address crime statewide specifically uh, to pay attention to some of our urban uh, issues uh, and also to do our very best to make this a bipartisan effort. That required that as we're sitting across the table from one another, that we were deliberate in our willingness to compromise, to hear the other side of the aisle and what they had to say. When that effort was uh, concluded, we came together with several recommendations, which I put into a single bill. Not every element of that bill was, uh, was the one that all of us wanted, but there was something in there that we 
that everybody had a, a stake in. That became House Bill 301, which was filed in early December. Over the course of the, the next uh, roughly six weeks, there was a number of amendments proposed for it. The bill was heard in committee. And when we went to exec that bill out uh, in the executive session of that committee, the amendment uh, met with some resistance, particularly over the question uh, of the children with firearms, because it's difficult to bridge philosophically the difference between that practical reality and the concern regarding infringing the Second Amendment. And I know that not everybody agrees necessarily with Missouri's fanatical protection of the Second Amendment, but just as there are people dying today as a result of those guns, I think you can argue fairly emotionally that a lot of people died in order to provide the protection uh, provided by the Second Amendment. So I have to be one of those people who, who does feel strongly about the Second Amendment. Nonetheless, the bill contained a component for keeping guns out of the hands of children. Uh, that amendment did not survive uh, the executive process. I've been criticized a lot for even putting it in there, but uh, I don't know how you can consciously say you addressed crime without addressing the question of kids with guns. Uh, it was a, a discussion worth having, uh, even though it didn't result in what we had, had hoped. Nonetheless, the bill, for the most part, survived uh, and met most of the criteria that the uh, committee spoke about. One of the provisions had to do with mental health, uh, and uh, one of the representatives who was on that committee, that work group, I should say, I know is, is working to file some uh, budget amendments to allow some additional funding for mental health that will help address some of those concerns. The big issue remains the question of the special prosecutor, but that means St. Louis. My hope is that we will be successful, that they'll pass out of the House. It's now over in the Senate. I think there's a lot of work to do yet in order to make people comfortable with that provision. And let me just say something that I've said to many people over the last uh, several weeks. This was a difficult bill. Uh, it's difficult uh, for a couple of reasons. When you talk about treading on sacred ground, such as the prosecutor's independence and discretion, there are people who are getting nervous about that. And I'll be honest with you, I'm nervous about it. But I think it's interesting to point out that in the time since December, when that bill was filed, no one has offered any alternative to what's been proposed in House Bill 301 which tells me that there's not a lot of options out there. And, it's, and all this may seem like a last-ditch effort. Nonetheless, it's important to do it. I mean, that's great information uh, to know. You've worked with a lot of different folks, both sides of the aisle, um, and ranging anywhere from, you know, very liberal to very conservative. And also, it, it sounds like you've done, you know, not just tough on crime, but also making sure that there's other resources there to hopefully, you know, keep somebody from going down. Um, a criminal path, which is also important, because if you can stop a crime, that's better than, um, you know, having to prosecute somebody after the fact. In the uh, truth and sentencing uh, provision, there are some elements that deal with the Department of Corrections and require them to do some things to help inmates succeed once they get out, such as having proper paperwork, having an ID. So would you think that uh, the business community getting involved and having a sign-on letter or business leaders being vocal about public safety and about how that impacts their business. Is that valuable in your opinion 
um, on helping address the public safety issue and is it a useful exercise for them? I think it's been absolutely invaluable. What has happened with that letter and some of the testimony that we saw at the committee hearing uh, where people from Missouri Chamber showed up testify, it puts a face to the reality of the effect St. Louis is having on the rest of our state. It harms our national and international uh, reputations. It affects the the decisions that parents make to send their children to school at our academic institutions. It affects the ability to attract major industries to our state. I absolutely endorse the concept of local control. If it was just that, I would just, I would butt out. But the fact of the matter is that it's no longer isolated to uh, St. Louis. It affects our entire state. It affects our economy. It affects our reputation. It affects our sense of well-being. It's just not something that we can sit back and watch. As a state representative, albeit I'm elected to represent my, my area of the state, it nonetheless comes with it responsibilities so that every vote that I take affects 6 million people. And it's not the latitude of a state legislator to ignore the remainder of the state. We have a responsibility. And even down in Joplin, uh, what happens in St. Louis affects our reputation. Having the chamber uh, come forward and say that out loud, to sign on to like 500 uh, different businesses who, who are not in St. Louis, and they're saying this is not just a St. Louis problem. It's affecting us all. That's not an argument that I would have been able to make for myself uh, very efficiently. Having the chamber stand behind me and say, yes, that's true. This is a big deal. I can't begin to tell you how, how important that's been. Well, that's good to hear that, you know, folks in the Capitol are, you know, that they're listening to businesses on public safety and uh, they're starting to understand the the impact that public safety has beyond just the, the health and safety of, of citizens. It's also an economic issue, which, I mean, Health and safety is, you know, the most important. Uh, but then from an economic standpoint, we need to make sure that, you know, Missouri keeps moving forward and that we are attracting businesses. And, you know, the more jobs we have available, the more opportunities there are for people to work and, you know, become successful, which will, you know, usually limits or reduces the amount of crime that um, is in those areas with a lot of the economic activity. Well, we talk a lot about, about having, creating jobs, and we've done that in Missouri. And there's a lot of, of focus on the governor's office about workforce development. Piece that you cannot ignore, however, is if you've got a workforce and you've got jobs, that workforce has to be willing to take those jobs. And if if the safety of the workers and their families is in question, there's no there's no doubt that it's going to impact the decision for them to come here and fill the jobs that we've created. No, agreed. It is. We've heard from numerous businesses, you know, in urban areas, but then also it, it is, there is uh, crime problems in rural areas too, but public safety is a factor that they look at. Are there employees, do they feel safe working at their office or the factory that they're employed at? And do they feel safe walking to their car? And if the answer is no, then an employer is either, is probably not going to expand, will probably look at relocating. Um, and then employers, you know, outside of that area are going to talk to people in that area when they're looking to relocate and they'll just exclude. And so the high crime areas are, it's kind of a downward spiral um, and, unless we address it. Because if, you know, there's no jobs moving in, then there's, you know, there could be an increase in crime, which then contributes to less jobs moving in and it spirals. 
So it, it really is an economic issue that that impacts the whole state. Well, I think that's very accurately stated. Uh, and having members of the chamber, representatives from the chamber, convey that to other members of the legislature. So it's not just me. It is added validity to what I'm saying and the justification for taking the action that we've taken. If I had my preference, I certainly wouldn't be uh, taking a hand in what goes on in St. Louis, but I just don't feel like there's a choice. Uh, and I think the chamber's been very effective in helping others understand why I felt compelled to file this bill. Well, we we definitely appreciate it and appreciate your leadership on this. The one thing that I would suggest, uh, uh, anytime we do something here that you either like or don't like or have suggestions that might make it better, it's important to know that that we all of us work for the citizens of, of Missouri, not just our respective uh, districts. So I would encourage people when they when they do have feelings or concerns, contact us, whether it's by uh, email or text or a phone call or in person. It helps us make decisions when we know how it affects you every day. We may have the best of intentions. But if you're a citizen affected by that decision and there was an unintended consequence, we need to know that. And I just encourage people, ask before you you conclude something. So I've never been a legislator, never been elected. However, um, I, I have seen in the Capitol uh, the impact of constituents, whether it's, as Representative said, whether it's calling into the office, emailing, stopping by. Um, legislators do listen. Um, and it, most times it's going to be mean more if they hear it directly from constituents or citizens than uh, folks like me that are in the building every day that uh, you know, may not live in their district. And so it is important for them to hear from their constituents and everyday citizens that have that you know, boots on the ground, real world experience, or will have to live with the impacts of that legislation. We appreciate the representative joining, and hopefully you learned quite a bit about public safety and House Bill 301 has been, is it over in the Senate now? Over in the Senate now. And so we'll be tracking it in the Senate and hopefully it uh, can move through there. And I'm sure there will be some changes, but, you know, the chamber will make sure. And I know the representative will work hard to, to make sure that the, the bill stays intact as much as possible and will have a meaningful impact.